Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. Fifty-five euros straight out of my account. So they have my money, and I have no test. Sad time for all these people, and it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Extra WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Email opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. This is the opinion line with. PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, two classics in two weekends with Cork and Tip at the weekend. And last weekend it was Claire and Limerick, two absolute humdingers of hurling games. And we couldn't see them on the telly unless we were prepared to pay for this GAA go crack. Which... Okay, beg your pardon. Slight frog in the throat this morning. It will clear. Um, this GAA go was set up to facilitate people around the world who wanted to buy a good, solid stream of a GAA match, and that is fine if you're in living in Singapore, or in Dallas, Texas, or in London, or in Paris, or in Rome, or in Budapest, wherever you happen to be living in the world, and you want to tune in to see Cork and Tip, and you need to pay a small fee to do it, then that's fine. That's fine. But here at home, I'm sorry, I don't like this idea at all. And of course, the GAA are wedded to it. And RTA are wedded to it. But a lot of people not happy, particularly here there in the news, Age Action Ireland. Because if you like, the older supporter of the GAA is caught on all sides now. Because not only can they, they can't. An awful lot of them can't or won't. Some people are just afraid of this digital stuff and paying online they're afraid of it whether they would be able to do it or not they're afraid of it and that's 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 fine that's that's their their prerogative as as it were but also they can't even if they can go to the match they can't get in the can't pay cash and a lot of people don't like working without cash so they're being they're being sort of forced out by this but two classics in two weekends in the hurling championship and you have to go behind a paywall to see it. I remember when Sky started having GAA, people were cribbing about that too. But at least the big ones, the big matches were always on free-to-air telly. I mean, it's unthinkable. I get stuck in the rut here now before I even start, but it's unthinkable that Cork and Tipperary, a classic like Cork and Tip, has there ever been 
in your memory a, a cork and tip match that wasn't exciting and the idea that our own sport in our own county with our own players in our own pitch that that would be pay-per-view sorry that's a step too far for me uh, I, I think and I would be a fella who I love watching hurling it is for me it's the real beautiful game soccer just soccer just stole the the mantle of the of, of the beautiful game for me hurling is the real beautiful game to see it played at, at the level it can be played at and have something like Cork and Tipperary not available to everybody on their television is just ridiculous scandalous as far as I'm concerned have I rented enough yet Oh, anyway. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. There's another one that kind of gets on me goat as well this morning. See where Neil Richmond, the junior minister in charge of these things, is meeting the grocery industry to discuss prices and what we might do about it, lads. There are powers, and and this is the thing. There are powers there since 2007. Quite a strong piece of legislation in place since 2007 that enables Minister Richmond to say to the suppliers, well, look, things like milk, bread, eggs, cheese, certain meats, the staples, the state pasta, the staples that everyone eats. The government is allowed to intervene. The government has the power to intervene and control prices if it really wants to. So having them all in around the table for coffee and biscuits to say, lads, what will we do about it? Unless he's prepared to say you have six weeks to do something about it or we will, then it won't be worth it won't be worth the time they spend doing it. Anyway, uh, over the weekend, now, first of all, uh, the small ears might be best put away with a cartoon for the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes stick them into the other room where, with a cartoon might be the best thing to do for, for small ears over the weekend I got a voice message from an old friend of the show um, she did her very first radio interview with me, she'd never been on radio in her life before until she did her first radio interview with me a few years ago. I speak of Kate McGrew and she sent me a voice note at the weekend. Ireland has sadly failed this woman, this mother of four children. We must act so that Gila's death is not in vain. Now that's Kate McGrew and she was talking about Gila Ibram. Gila Ibram was a 27-year-old Romanian woman, a sex worker, a mother of four. She was in Limerick and she was murdered uh, in Limerick in early April. Now, there was a, a vigil there a few days after and uproar, and rightly so, about the fact that she should be placed in such danger while going about her work. And the local social democrats and the local opposition parties councillors, TDs gathered in solidarity for and in memory of the life of Gilia Ibram, who wasn't very long in the country and she was killed in an apartment block in the centre of Limerick. Now a man called Habib Shamel he is an Afghan national, he's 26 he appeared before Belfast Magistrates Court 
charged with her murder after he was arrested in Belfast. But for Kate McGrew, who is an international sex worker activist, Kate, for you, this is yet another indication that it's time to change the law and it's time to decriminalise. We'll get to that in a minute. But but you felt that this was another example of why the law must change for the better. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Just to remind you, Kate, I'm sure I don't need to, but I have to anyway. There is an ongoing case here with regard to, to Gellia, so let's not endanger anything in that regard. But the general situation for sex workers is, is what where you have concerns, am I correct? That's correct. It's um, it's dire and it's getting worse as we knew it would as, and as we've seen in other countries where they've implemented this law. Remind people of the law that you're talking about. So the law increased criminalization of sex workers' work by doubling penalties for people working in pairs or groups. So if you want to work legally, you must work perfectly alone. And it also, for the first time, criminalized our clients entirely. The old law used to be for the purchase of sexual services. Now your colleagues are criminalized for selling sexual services, correct? If people are working in pairs or groups, it's illegal. That's correct. So you can't share a workspace with somebody, which, of course, is not something that we like because um, we would prefer the safety and comfort of being around people. You know, um, not in every single situation would that be a lifesaver, but certainly in many, many cases it would. And it's one small measure, but it, it doesn't go far enough. You know, PJ, it's not a, a value judgment on prostitution to call for its decriminalization. It's a harm reduction framework. It, it mitigates the harms that we face. You know, you can look at other industries, other sectors where there are potentials for exploitation and abuse, say, fishing, uh, agriculture work, domestic work. And it's very clear that within these industries, especially people need protections. And that's what we're calling for in this moment. You and I have spoken many times and you've always stressed, Kate, that we must, in a modern society, look at sex work in the same way as we look, like you say, at fishing or agriculture or industry. It's a form of work and should be treated as such and have the same safety and rights as such. This is it. It's indisputably an economic activity and indisputably something that just isn't going away. You know, Ireland obviously has a very deep history um, with the sex industry. Monto was the biggest red light district in Europe at one point in time. And, and I think it's clear even when we look to a country like Sweden, where they've had this law for over 20 years, There is no eradicating of a sex industry. It's just nonsensical. It will always be work that people can do, particularly when they have little to nothing else. And especially if that's um, the demographic of people that you might be dealing with, it's very important that they have uh, legal recourse to justice, that they have legal environments to work in, all the safety and reporting mechanisms that other workers are afforded. In many parts of the world, Kate, I'm sure you'd agree with me here, and it's not just something you see on the television. The police force and the sex workers, they have a a relationship of sorts in that there's a trust there and an understanding there. Yes, 
there is a lot of work to be done there because you may have heard, but in the hours that followed the incident, there wasn't, a, unfortunately, a, a protocol or chain of command that was followed regards to getting word out to active workers. I'm sure that um, Gardi and Limerick and beyond were very uh, busy at that time, but it would have been very important to get a message out to all of us. Let me let me see what I understand you're saying there, is that in the case of Gilia Ibram, that once there had been an incident, that they, there should be a Garda officer with a relationship with the sex workers in Limerick or Cork or Dublin or whatever, to just quietly put the message out there. There's been an incident. Be careful. Absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. And that's how it works in other jurisdictions. And so it's just, if we can look in this horribly tragic moment about what we might be able to do to, so that God forbid, it doesn't happen again, it would be looking towards things like this. Right now, we need to build better systems to protect us, as the law currently is, forcing us deeper and deeper into the shadows, if you will. Do the guards, um, to your knowledge, do they have a designated officer in certain areas of the country like Cork, Demick, Dublin, wherever it should happen to be? Do they have a designated officer who would liaise back and forth with the with the sex workers in the area? There has been work done on this, and um, I've been in touch with uh, Gardi, and we've been starting to have really good conversations about it. So mm. there is hope regards to that. But again, what we're what we're talking about is is um, mitigating harm, and it is a very important thing to talk about in this moment. But another thing is also just people putting down their beliefs uh, about, you know, is prostitution exploitation? As you mentioned, it, it definitely is economic livelihood or survival. What I would say, Kate, and, and again, you, you and I have spoken many times about this. It has been around since the dawn of time. It will be around until mankind is here no more. And it is what it is. And we must accept that as a fact. This is it. This is it. It's why um, people need to come together. There needs to be a broad coalition of people and anybody that can look at the the logic and the math of how this kind of uh, law compromises our safety. People need to speak up. People need to speak out. People need to come together and um, and really push for the government to do that. If any country can do it, it is someplace like Ireland. Ireland has, has turned around on so many um, positions regards to protecting its vulnerable people. And and this is very much one of them, and it is clearly urgent right now. Your critical case of some groups who say they are concerned for the welfare of women, best not name anybody, but are you accusing certain groups of double standards here? Well, if they want to say that they're concerned about the welfare of uh, active sex workers, they would have to acknowledge the ways that this law um, makes us less safe. The law isn't fit for purpose. We need to call for decriminalization. And also, if the organizations that wish for the industry to shrink and for fewer people to be working in the sex industry, well, then they need to focus their efforts on viable economic alternatives and around proper financial exit. Then we could be working together. Is it foolhardy, Kate, for any society to believe it can eliminate the sex industry by legislating it out of existence. I think that's very clear. N not only can you criminalize it away, nor can you shame it away. Th there's not one place on the planet where that is the case. And illegality and shame and stigma pressurize people 
who are already under pressure. So you are again, as you have done many times, calling for full decriminalisation and let it be just like any other form of work with the protection of law that any other worker enjoys. That's correct. We shouldn't be forced onto a black market. It's really time that people listen to sex workers, the fewer and fewer of us that can speak up because of the situation that we're facing. But it's time. Kate, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, PJ. Have a nice day. You too. That's uh, Kate McGrew, who is an international sex work activist. And uh, thank you, Kate, for not going there too far, at least with the case of Gideon Abram, which is before the courts. So we must be cognizant of that. But there's a question that she raises, which she's been raising for years. Kate would like to see, for want of simpler words, the purchasing of sex or a sexual service as to be as mainstream or as ordinary as buying a pizza. Do you know, you send out for a pizza or send out for a sex worker. It, it, it should be as normal and as regulated as that. That's how she views it. Over the years, I've kind of come on side with her because you don't have to avail of those services if they're there. Do you know what I mean? There's no one saying you have to avail of the services, but if they're there, if if there's an, a market for them and a need for them, then the people who do it should be protected. 0818 96 96 96. On prices, don't forget the rise is coming in the price of fuel. It'll be up another 20 cent plus. Supermarket pricing isn't coming down anytime soon, I think. Yep, of course, the carbon tax is coming in this month if it isn't in Already, And then they've told us that the cut in the excise which they made last year is going to be brought back over a period of months. So whatever your petrol or diesel is this morning, I bought petrol on Friday and it was around the 160. Couldn't give it off the top of my head what it was, but around the 160. And that's going to go up over the next couple of months, right back to where it was with regard to excise duty. So prices are going to continue going up. 0818 96 96 96. Now every morning I drive in here I take a look up Coburg Street, up in towards McCorton Street and I'm wondering if that job will ever be done. Will that street ever be open again? Maybe it is. I don't think it is. But right there on the corner between Devonshire Street and Leitrim Street, just there like a little it's been there since forever. Remember it being a, a repair shop. You'd take a hoover in there a long time ago to get it repaired. But for years it's been a little convenience shop, a little deli called Happy Days. And you'd feel for someone trying to run a small little business like that in the middle of that uh, huge refurbishment of, of Coburg Street. A um, few people complaining about it. I, I don't know, is it almost open yet? Is it almost ready to open yet? Um, it, it, it looks like it's nearly finished, but but clearly not. Uh, let's 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 talk to someone down there. Win, win. K 
Casey and Ross want to send you to Independence Music Festival in Mitchellstown from August 4th to 6th. We've got a pair of weekend camping passes to give away every day. Plus, we'll upgrade one lucky winner to four weekend camping passes with VIP arena access, a pitched perfect bell tent, food and beverage tokens for the entire weekend, indie merch, and side of stage access for an artist of your choice. Join Casey and Ross in the morning from 6. All this week to win only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Mazara Hosan is the guy in that little shop. Happy Days Delhi there on the corner of Corbrook Street and Devonshire Street there in the middle. And it's been a rough few months, Mazar. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks very much to take me. No, delighted to do so. I felt for you recently when I saw that you were, you were, you, you, your your business has just fallen away. Yeah, this very small business, uh, like a small uh, deli and the shop, like. Mm-hmm. So it's footfall is your problem, isn't it? People would walk up, buy the sandwich, walk away. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, 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 PJ, is, it's it's more than problem, like, you know, because last last couple of months, like about four months plus, um, like, I'm I'm in favor of, uh, uh, like, you know, development. But, you know, which kind of work these people are doing that, to be honest, this is more than problem. This is a pain that, like, you know, they grieve for me. And I'm very thankful. First of all, I have to say for... Uh, the echo newspaper and the reporters and the photographs and second you at least you guys come to us and ask me what is my problem what is my pain otherwise no one come and ask like these people are working but very careless like they don't care about small businesses they blockage unnecessary places where they actually not working okay where are you working i'm i'm with you like of course you do it your job i don't mind but if you see on my shops, they are very small patch. They are about three and a half weeks untouched. And they block all land from right to my shoulder to all the way to the Abitale pub. There is no need to half road you block. No one want to come all the way, go to 40, 50 yard and come to me and then go back 50, 60 yard and go away. Like no one, no one want to come. If I, as a customer, I really avoid that place. Why I go? Why should I not go other place? Like, you know? Yeah. So you you say is, this is worse for your business than COVID, Mazar. I, I, I literally, to be honest, I swear to God, two years, me and my friend in this business, this is my own business. And uh, Corona two years, we... We suffer, but not that badly as as we are facing at the moment. And you see, if you guys ask the person how long you will be, they don't know when they're going to finish. That is more alarming for me. The person who working last four or five months on road, they don't know what they're going to off, like when they're going to leave us to yeah. come back to normal. Like, you know what I mean? So the blockage necessary, I'm with that. But there is no hazard, there is no working on that area and you block more than half lane. It's not for a week, it's more than a month you block that, to be honest. You can you can come and have a look because uh, the, the echo, uh, the photograph... Oh, I'm, I'm very familiar, Mazar. I'm very familiar because I know your location for many years. Before you had it, 
you could repair a Hoover or a vacuum cleaner in there. Yep. That was the yep. old business there. My daughter lives just around the corner in an apartment and would par- would often park the car in that part of town. So I know exactly your problem and, and, and what you've gone through. It, it, it must be soul-destroying. You know, what is, last two or three months, I didn't see my most regular customer, what I made in last four years of my this business. I made this most regular people who come for coffee, uh, come for drinks, some, sometimes when they're going back to home, some buy some biscuits or something. Like, you, you lose that people, what you see every five days, Monday to Friday. Like, you know what I mean? And they cannot, they come to me. They come to me, they say, we are here, we not move away somewhere else, place. But you know, you see these people, these people not let us to come, not let us to park. There is a many places you can park easily your car, but these people occupy very long places where they should not block that place because you're not working there. You're not working there. You have no concern in that part. You, you see what I'm saying in my words? They do nothing, look busy. That is what I'm watching last four or five months like. What happened yes, is this? Yes, I thing. understand. And, and I, I can tell I you understand. one more thing, uh, PJ. I'm very sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. The, you see, uh, many places, they dig, they change some pipes or something, they clean everything, tiles, move on, leave this place, traffic will be go like go to normal, and the week or two weeks, they're back again, digs as same place, and not once, no twice, three or four times. I don't know what they want to find, what they want to fix it, and what they make over their major mistake to recover it, this four or five times. Like, to be honest, I'm mentally, you know, very stressful for these kind of things. You you fix one thing, so why you come second or third or fourth time as the same place? And you, again, spend week, two weeks, three weeks time on it. Like, uh, what I'm feeling is there is... This is a work for without planning. They are working, to be honest. Well, yeah, that, that, that's an old problem that you report, Mazar, and has always been the case in Cork. You're right. You dig up a corner of the street, you do work, and then three or four weeks later, somebody else digs it up. You kind of wonder why you can't do all of the work in the one period of time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there, there is some time limit. There is some check and balance. Someone come. You see, I'm very grateful and thankful, to be honest, for my heart, for Evening Echo Cork and you, 96FM. I'm very happy. At least you guys come forward to us. I'm not approach you. You guys come to us and ask our grief and pain and our problems. And I was thinking maybe some counselor, maybe some TD will be coming in this area to ask. They are small businesses. And they are working, electricity getting high, all everything getting high. I'm losing my most regular customer, like to survive in that place. And, you know, Corona, I, I pass out without any support of anything. But these people make my life, you know, more than hell, like, to be honest, uh, yeah. more than hell. So, Do you uh, think you know, Kate is suggesting here, Mazar, Kate is suggesting that you should get a rates rebate or some other help? I mean, you're continuing to pay your rates through all this, aren't you? I, 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 I'm paying rates every month basis or two month basis. This all direct debits from my account. But you see, uh, PJ, I, I will be approaching that uh, on the, I will be going that stage. But I was thinking as a human being, as an institution, someone should need come forward to ask me, you are paying tax, you are paying rates last four years for regular basis. So at least they need to ask me like how I'm feeling about that things. 
I'm very happy about you two institutions like the Echo and you. You come forward to us. You approach me. Your person came to me. We, well, we to observed it. We, we observed that your business was was struggling, Mazara, and and that's why we we asked you to to, to come and talk to us. The, 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 I I guess the council would say if we asked them. Well, this is part of improvement work in the city, and when it's all over, the city centre will be a better place. Do you have any? Do you accept that? I accept my core of my heart. But you, you see, PJ, uh, the problem is the person who working out there at least need to care about our like us people like to give us some space so can, we can get breathe. You you working, you block my place. I don't mind. You see, there was electricity cut out week ago. They changed the pole out there, my shop, outside my shop. And no electricity, nine to five. I have no problem. I close my shop before nine. I clean my coffee machine. I go back to home. I'm favor of I'm favor of like these kind of works. Like they will be, you know, to, for for the city will be look better. I get the footfall. I get my business. But in the meantime, this work is going very very long. And you see outside the person who working like. Uh, uh, to be honest, they are very casually working. Like you know, I'm not blaming someone. What I'm seeing, yeah. like you know, well, they, they don't care about like they, they don't have care their about they anything. have their days tasks to, con- to to complete, and they have to do them, and they have their week schedule and their month schedule, Mazar, and you're, there you are caught in the middle of it. I wish you well. I hope that it comes good for you, um, but and I hope that when everything is okay, that your business will survive this. That's what, do you think it will? It like it it will because we are living in a hope like you know what I mean so I I I'm hoping like we, when they they will be completed I don't know when 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 they completed but definitely look will be changed the bus stop moving moving forward from Manhattan Street to our side so definitely footfall come like but I'm just saying in the meantime like if you can give some space and they can they can to be honest PJ if not so I never single word take out from my mouth they can. If you see the last weekend, the last long weekend, they block all lanes and go back to home. Like they don't care. That's a long weekend or the weekend coming in. You just give some space. Where you not working? Where is no hazard for people? At least that part you should need open. Like I to understand. People come and I understand go your point. So I understand that is, your that point. is my point. Like yeah. I'm telling you, uh, if they say like we are digging front of your shop, I definitely close my shop and I go back to home. I have no bother in this. No bother in this. This has to be done. Like not today, tomorrow. But at least you have some time limit, and at least someone there to ask me and ask them how how you doing guys you are here five months what you did it like you know what i mean in five months and why you blocked that land where you're not actually working there like there is no hazard for footfall for anyone that there's no hazard there why you block all the way from that corner to that corner 60 to 70 yards like you know what i mean that is a common sense that is common sense there are blockages blockages and closures of places where there's no work going on um and that's what's confusing you mazar thank you mazar Hassan of Happy Days Delhi down there at the junction of Devonshire Street and Leitrim Street where he said he just had no business, no footfall, no regulars. He's not seeing his regulars because who's going to come through all that grief just to get in and buy a coffee? Thank you. Thank you, Mazar. 0818 96 96 96. There's other businesses, according to the Echo. There's other businesses in that area um, struggling too. And I keep saying this, it looks like it'll be great when it's done. 
but it's an awful lot of grief for people getting there. 0818-969696. Paulie Barber says, I feel sorry for him. Uh, and he'll get no compensation or get nothing back for it. There's a lot of small businesses like Mazar's Little Shop affected by the, the they call it the transformation, which it is, of McCartan Street, Coburg Street, Devonshire Street, that general area. We're led to believe it'll be lovely. We're led to believe it'll be visually gorgeous. We're led to believe it'll be modern and everything. Great, great. But listen to that misfortunate man trying to run a business in the middle of it all. And he brings up a problem that we've all known for a 100 years, that they dig up a corner, dig a hole, get down the hole, do something down the hole, get out of the hole, close the hole, and then two weeks later, someone else digs up the hole, goes down the hole, does something else in the hole, gets out of... Why not leave the hole open until everyone's done their work down there and then close it? And get them all in together at the one time, like you would do in an organised setup. you would hope. 0818 96 96 96. Now, last week, uh, Councillor Fiona Ryan uh, announced that she will be stepping down from Cork City Council, effective on the 9th of June, which means is that tonight, Fiona, will be your... I'll talk to... Actually, I'll talk to her after the break. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. A rescue doggy escaped his new owner. Okay, so he was given up by a family. They found him a new home. Yeah. They couldn't keep him for whatever reason. Because he got to his new home and he was like, I'm having none of this. Really? He trekked 65 kilometers and went back to his old family. What? And arrived at the door. But they didn't want... So he knocked on the door, scratched on the door, they opened the door. <laughs> and they were like, no, we... No, you, we got rid of He's like, I'm back, guys. I'm back. And they're like, we, 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 didn't, we don't want you. He's probably wagging his little tail. Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they kept dropping you no off. No matter how far they went, I walked back from Donegal once. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Courts 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. So Fiona, thanks for holding. Tonight will be your last public meeting. Is that right? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, it will. After seven years, um, it's a very bittersweet decision, but um, I think it's the right one. Yeah. Why have you come to this decision at this time, Fiona? Well, you know, it's not something that it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while. Um, you know, essentially the last three years in particular, I haven't been able to play the role as I envision it. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, when I went to the electorate, I said I would be a fighting councillor that would be embedded in the communities that I would have a, a, a daily presence in different areas. And, and that's what I had managed to do, really, from the time I was co-opted through to even through the pandemic, really. Um, but then, as many people know, I had a bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction. Um, and that, the, you know, I had predicted that recovery would have taken a long time. But maybe a lot of people don't know it, but I had to have multiple surgeries after that as well, unfortunately. And that extended the recovery time out a lot, unfortunately. And I was still able to be active throughout this, you know, but um, not in the same way as being, you know, in the community all the time. And, you know, representing people in terms of under-resourcing and helping to fight to get those resources. 
And then um, I got pregnant and I was unfortunately violently ill for about seven months of that. And then I was heavily pregnant when it was 30 plus degrees out. And again, I was kind of thinking, right, well, listen, I have the baby, you know, I'll, I'll, in a, you know, a few months, you know, six months or so, or he's getting a bit older, I might have more time. But, you know, that, to be honest, that was just naivety, you know, because mm. it's becoming more clear, more and more clear now as I was looking into the next 12 months. Is that going to fundamentally change? And I just had to be honest with myself. No, it's not. You know, um, and what I what I what I want to do is I could continue. You know, um, you know, doing a few bits here and there, which is what I've been doing. You know, going to the council meetings, um, and, and you know, many councillors do just do that. You know, because it is a part time. It's considered a part time role. Really, there's as much work as you're willing to do in the position. You know, yeah. Yeah. but um, you know, that wasn't how I that's not my mandate and that's not how I went to the public when I got elected in the first place. So I made the decision that I think, um, I, you know, it, it's best for myself and for, you know, my, 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 my community and I've decided to step down as of next month, as you mentioned. Okay. Okay. Well, we, we wish you well in that. You spoke to um, Donald O'Keefe for the Echo over the weekend and you made an interesting point. It's kind of a point that Others have been saying from the outside of the council over the years, particularly those of us who've watched it for for most of our adult lives as our job. It's a fairly powerless bunch of people, isn't it, Fiona? Really? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and this is something that I would say. There's actually, there's, uh, and the sinister element of this is that um, once upon a time in Irish politics, councillors did have quite a lot of position and a lot of corruption that came uh, came with that power. Um, but since really the financial crash, those powers have been almost annihilated. You know, the only real powers that we have is some, um, you know, voting for some social housing projects and some active travel measures. And then you have the budget, but even the budget is packaged up to us and serves to us and you can't move money between departments or anything like that, you know. Mm. So uh, there are some councillors who honestly need to project the idea that they're more powerful than they are. So when someone comes to them, and say, you know, I need help with housing, I'm five years on the list. They go, absolutely, I will write you a letter, I will call the housing director, I will do everything in my power. That's not what I do, I have to be honest with people. I'll I'll write you the letter, I'll I'll send a series of letters, but but it's going to do nothing. Absolutely, and I think that's what we have to get through to people because it only it only alienates people from local democracy because they're they're looking at the communities, they're seeing the grass not being cut, they're seeing potholes on the ground, nothing is happening. They have all of their elected representatives writing letters, banging the drum, and nothing is happening. And these councillors are saying, "Well, vote for me, and it will get better." So that's the, the case, Fiona. If that's the case, and to be fair, I can't disagree with the words you say. There was a time when your local councillor was a very powerful individual who, if you brought a case to him or her, they would, yes, they'd write you that letter. That letter would need to be read, need to be responded to. You might get what you wanted in the end, but you'd be able to see that some, there are wheels that can be greased and doors that can be opened through a council. There was a time when they'd far more. They don't have now. So the question is, there's local elections. May, is it this time next year? Now we'll be in in the midst of it. Why would anybody bother? Well, I think that's, I mean, part of the reason why I'm stepping down, because change can be facilitated, but it has to be fought for tooth and nail, and it can't just be the councillor. The count, how I envision the council position is as a voice for the struggles of working class communities. And I'll give you an example of that. The Leaside Apartments campaign, which I was, yeah, I was, I you know, well. yeah. I was one of the, the key advisor of that campaign. 
that was a great success that ended up with, you know, 11 families not being, you know, turfed out. Many of them ended up homeless. Many homeless families ended up getting housing and more besides that. That was two years battle. The residents themselves going through misery or TV meetings where, I, where I, was, I was present, represented them, drafting letters, protests. The media were fantastic on that. That was two years of constant fighting work that ultimately resulted in success. And would that have been... Would, that you would, need that level of activity. Well, here's the thing, Fiona. Sorry, here's the thing. Would you have been as effective as Fiona Ryan, well-known local activist, or Fiona Ryan, member of the city council? Would you have been equally as effective in, both, in either role? Um, I, I think um, you can do much, uh, and I think, you know, uh, a lot can be done without the council position, of course, you know. But I think that the, the benefit, as I see it as a socialist, as an activist, as a campaigner, is that it, it gives prominence and is a platform. So I don't think I would have gotten the similar levels of, of media, national media in particular, as an individual. And I think that being able to, every single month, at the time, I think it was actually every two weeks, you know, bringing this up at council level, putting it into the executive space, meeting with the director of services, um, and on, you know, that, that, that is the benefit of it. It gives you access, mm. I suppose. Um, but access alone isn't enough. It has to come with constant pressure and struggle to put, to, mm. in order to force change, really. And I can't do that level of activity anymore, which makes me less of an, an effective counsellor as I, I think, used to be. I, I think you'd agree with me, Fiona, but there was a time when the management side of City Hall had no choice but to listen to the elected side of City Hall and if there was a thing that the elected side just wasn't going to put up with they had some ability to prevent it that has all changed now Oh absolutely, Cork and all in fact Ireland is ran by unelected unaccountable officials um, of which we, they, that is where the power is um, and it, it is an enormous shame it's the reason why Ireland ranks joint last in the European Local Democracy Index, for example. Um, it, it does. Where would yeah. I see that list? I've never seen that list. Uh, um, uh, a Quindlin from UCC Politics actually was oh, the one good. who provided me that, that particular bit of info. Um, I'll see if I can, I can find it out and I'll put it up on Twitter um, for anyone who's interested. But, but yes, um, it, it, that is the, it is the case. And um, it is, you know, that that, that is the, the main reason for it. We have, you know, no ability to fundraise outside of raising rates, raising local property tax, or raising or, or raising rents. You know, that is the only three funding mechanisms we have available to us since the, you know the era of local government grants being cut. Again, that was a financial crash. Mind you, and, and, and as at the same time, and you we have, have enormous Cor- waste. <laughs> well, you have Cork City Council, a council that has reached all of its housing targets in the last number of years and has quite an admirable one of five and a half thousand over the next couple of years. You so, know, my, my, my point in terms of the executives, it's not personal, it's political. There there are some executives who, you know, I think do, do good work, you know, versus others who literally mm-hmm. I can't have a conversation with. Um, but I think the point is, again, this goes right back to national. It always goes back to national. The targets are the problem. The targets are dropping the ocean compared to the actual need. Even Damien English, met, you know, admitted that the housing for all targets are, are not sufficient mm. to meet with the need that's there now, you know. And again, you know, when we make up, we make this point, I've, I've been a big advocate around the um, Docklands to get something moving there because it's the largest land bank in the city. It's really going to, sh- you know, shape the future of Cork City. 
significantly. I've been, I've been trying to get, you know, a plan of action for, okay, the council can go ahead, affordable housing scheme, social, cost rental, whatever. But something, someone mm. has to get moving. And we've been told just, nope, nope, we've beaten our targets. And, and, you know, the argument that the targets aren't good enough, they go, well, that's government policy, do, you know. Do, do, do I sense, Fiona, lastly, and you've explained very clearly... Um, your, your reasons for stepping aside, your health, and I'm sorry to hear that your your health has been so difficult. Obviously, the pressures of being of being a young woman, all of those things. Do I sense a little bit of frustration as well? At oh, the fact, sure. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, I mean, and that's something I've been quiet about over the years. Particularly if you have a look at my social media, you can see me, um, you know, to cry, especially. Just the, the computer says no kind of approach towards, um, you know, very reasonable claims. Um, a, an example recently, um, I was I was getting frustrated with the tendency. Now, you can degree, degree or disagree with this, but that's not the point I'm making about removing bins, and removing benches in um, response to antisocial behavior. Because we just lose amenities and then the antisocial behavior moves a couple of meters up the road, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my first response was, well, you know, we, we don't take these issues lightly. So I said, fair enough. I went back and I asked for a policy change that antisocial behavior is not sufficient basis to remove um, a public amenity. And he literally copied and pasted the last answer mm-hmm. that I got, even <laughs> though it was quite like, and I, I, I spoke about this in the council meeting and, and he just didn't respond, you know, the director of services in, in question. Yeah, there was no, there was no, there was no, no response to what you were saying. I get you, I get you. Fiona, listen, it's, it always, been a, it's always been a pleasure yeah. to speak with you on the programme over the years and I, I, I wish you well in your future and I hope that your, your health improves. Thanks a million, PJ. And I'll still be around as an activist, maybe just not as not as much <laughs> and not from the council chamber. <laughs> Take care and thank you very much. That's uh, Councillor, outgoing Councillor Fiona Ryan. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise, so get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make you make me feel Only on Cork's 96FM The minds are live Hello Join the conversation Call 0818 96 96 96 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan Cork's 96FM Yeah, a lot of support out there for uh, Mazar who was on in the first hour he has that little deli down there Devonshire Street Coburg Street and he is just frustrated to the point of pulling his hair out with the length of time the roadworks are taking down there and the, the way his his business has been affected by it his his footfall his regulars he hasn't seen many of his regulars for weeks because they just won't come into the middle of all of that. Holes being dug, filled, re-dug, refilled, re-dug, refilled. Areas closed off while there's no work going on inside them. And he's just very, very frustrated. The thing that struck me says this call about that businessman. He doesn't even know when this is going to end. All small businesses are under pressure like this now with the banks and so on. And they're trying to drop plans for the future. How can you plan with something like that going on? By the way, it's the same with the work going on with the water pipes. 
There's no indication of how long it'll all go on for. I understand it's hard to predict these things precisely, but the top people are paid a lot of money to get these plans right. Look at McCorton Street. Half it is dug up and nobody seems to know how long that will last for either, even though every day you pass down there you look like there's a little bit more done and then you realise, oh God, there's an awful lot more to do. Which is a very fair point. 0818 96 96 96. Now last week when we were talking, or the last occasion when we were talking about childcare and trying to get workers into childcare, I, I kind of said in a throwaway remark, I said you'd probably earn more flipping burgers uh, in some of the fast food joints, particularly the bigger ones, than you would in childcare. And I was only waiting for someone to pick me up saying, where'd you get that from, PJ? That's a load of nonsense, PJ. Well, it's not a load of nonsense at all. Um, Minna, uh, from Minna Murphy from Kildinan Preschool, you're trying to find someone to fill a position at the moment, and that is the case, that the wages in fast food are better. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I had the opportunity arise for me to open a second ECC service, so preschool service and also after school service. So I was delighted that, oh, wow, now I can offer a full day for someone yes. <laughs> to, um, you know, get a better salary than just with the session of preschool. But unfortunately, after um, after the month, um, I only received one application. Luckily, now I have got two more, but um, unfortunately, that was um, a bit of a disappointment for me because, of course, I was uh, expecting more. And when I was uh, talking with one of the applicants, uh, she mentioned that uh, she was a manager in one uh, fast food restaurant where she was earning more than she is currently earning as a room leader in, in one service. Wow. And I, that kind of was like, okay, a um, bit of a surprise. And then I went to dig in deeper and... Uh, I found like also um, in retail worker at the moment, a customer assistant would be earning 13 euros 86 per hour, which is 86 cent more than the earliest educator. And in four years, that could rise up to 16 euros. So again, there lies a little um, dilemma for, for our, our sector, because uh, if I hire someone, I can tell you that, okay, we can give you this like the minimum in our sector is 13 euros. But then after that, look, I don't know, when would you get a pay rise? Yeah. Because we have no pay scale. Yes. And so these are people, you're ta- the people you're hiring, Mina, are people with a college degree. Oh, yes. Like yeah. this this lady, she, she has a level eight mm-hmm. um, um, honours degree. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the, the thing is that... Um, when you look at the news, for example, at the moment where um, Ireland is actually lowest on the employment rates, that means that the employees have the, the floor at the moment. So, of True. course, like, yeah, so we are struggling to recruit people because they do not want to come for the earliest education because there's no future for them here. Yes. And now that there are so many places available, of course, they can select, choose and select and um, select the best for them. Um, also, the other thing that has been on the news is that uh, Share Island is uh, about to do a surplus over 16 billion estimated for yes. next year. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, 
So the problem here is not that the government wouldn't have money to invest in the early years. It's just that currently it's not happening. Yes. And uh, that's what we are then, um, with, for example, with the SIPTA, we are struggling the fact that we have to come every year to the table to ask that piece from the cake to come to us so that we could uh, retain staff, that we could offer the quality service. And um, government has the plans, a goal to have the graduate-led workforce. But I think that the government is currently forgetting that quality costs. Yes. So if you want quality care and education for the early years, you have to be ready for paying it. They have tried to turn it into a graduate-led situation which they will is, yeah, uh, that's yeah. Their, that's but, but they're not paying uh, graduate wages goal. exactly that's the point and uh, i have seen it also um when i've been reading news from finland where i'm from um the same thing has happened there like uh, several a couple of years ago finland went already for the graduate-led workforce in the early years and currently they are also it's a global phenomenon they are also struggling to uh, recruit those graduate-led staff, because the the wages are not, um, you know, uh, compatible with the with the level of education. Yes, they're still trying so, to pay the same wages as they were before it was graduate-led. Yeah. 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 So, so there, there lies the issue, and um, it it is sad because the fact that, uh, um, you know, children don't they don't grow in a vacuum. Yeah. Their development and uh, skills don't grow. We need those motivated and skilled professionals, and uh, we can't get them. Yeah. And you can, <laughs> so, because because you can't get staff, and because you can't develop your service. You parents trying to get their kids into creches. There's nothing there. Waiting lists in loads of different places. You can't get the older kids into a breakfast club or an after school club because there's no space anywhere. That's the thing, like there's demand, uh, absolutely. And like uh, now that uh, I'm opening my new service and then also the after school, so I'm fully booked. But the problem is that I can't recruit the staff there. There you go. Um, Yeah, because also um, if I have someone who is level seven, then uh, the service will get uh, higher capitation. So, of course, we would like to get the, the high qualified, highly skilled staff for the quality, but then also um, the government is paying that little bit more for that. But it, it don't seem to be sufficient enough. Yes, people are, SIPTU, I'm quoting SIPTU's organiser for the sector in Cork, Eva Mitchell, she said that low pay and stress are driving people out. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we can see. I can, like when you go to social media um, sites that are like uh, for early years, Every day there's somebody struggling. They are screaming, that, will you please spread the word? We need staff. <clears throat> but uh, this is like a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need the staff, but then uh, we we can't offer, the, for example, the pay scale. And another issue is that um, a lot of services are offering only the 38-week contract, which means that the staff has to sign off for yes. social welfare for the summer months. Yes. And that's so... Uh, like demeaning it's like for example for my staff as well that thank you for your service i sign you off now yeah you're on the door but will you please return in september so it's just ridiculous situation that we are in 
Yes. And and it, and again, if you take someone, Mina, who's gone to the trouble of getting themselves a good college degree with a view to working in a sector, it's ridiculous that for 12 weeks of the year, they've got to go down and sign on for the dole. That's an insult to the years they spent studying. That's 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 the thing. And um, like Eva um, from Sip2, she has been visiting a lot of colleges and she can uh, see this and hear this from the students that they are very like, oh, no, yeah, I might be going to do something else after my degree because they know that there's no future. So if we could get that message now to the government that we have to act now, yeah. I'm hoping that that will then turn the curse um, back to that um, the employment process wouldn't be so difficult here. Because as you correctly say as well, Minna, it is an employee's market at the moment. Your, your exactly. job is there to be filled, but people can mm. pick and choose because we're in a full employment situation or virtually full employment. That's the thing, yeah, um, and that that shows really here um, in our sector uh, that, um, like, uh, like that. I, I generally was very positive that look now that we can have the the full day for the person to come and work, offer a little bit more salary, but still there is the issue that we have to sign them off for the summer. Yeah. And still the fact that the the pay scale is not there. So if I hire someone now. In a few years' time, they probably still be in the same salary because yes. the pay scale system isn't there. And who wants so to spend the summer on the dole in a, in an exactly. economy where there's full employment? So it's no brainer of the like the reasons that we are in this situation where we are, and that's why um, with SIP2 we are trying to get that message through now for the government. That they have to act now so that the the next um, graduate would have a better future to come for the sector which is so important Indeed, indeed. Mina, I'll leave it there, thank you very much Mina Murphy of Kildinen Preschool I wasn't pulling it out of the air or plucking it out of the air when I said that you'd earn more in fast food than you would in certain elements of the childcare sector there she is with a job on the table for somebody with a college degree, an honours college degree and the salary she can offer them, they will earn more in certain sectors of fast food. They will earn more in certain sectors of retail. Is it any wonder she can't fill the positions? Thanks, Mina. 0818 96 96 96. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. Only on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we really are in the run-in now. 16 days to go to the start of the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. And we're looking for you to organise something for us, as you always do. Do a coffee break. You can organise a collection, a change collection. Put on some music in the back garden. Collect money for us. We don't care what you do as long as you do it. Thank you so much. You can get a fundraising pack at 96fm.ie. We start on the 25th of May, which is 16 days from now. Only 
on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. I can always recall being particularly sad when I would hear the story of parents who'd had a stillbirth. And the fact that they couldn't put the name of their child down in a register somewhere that acknowledged that this little baby existed and was born, may have been, as they say, and I think it's a lovely way of saying it, born sleeping, but born. They don't get a birth cert because it's not a live birth, but there's no way to record that they actually existed and they don't get put into family trees and they don't get put into family research and, and things like that, yet they remain a real part of the family forever. Uh, Mary Cregan joins me. Uh, the work of Felicon, Mary, is has been for many years trying to trying to record those who were, as they say, born sleeping. By the way, is that still considered to be a, a nice way to put it? Good morning. Hi, PJ. It, well, some parents like it, and I suppose what I would say to people, you know, they would say, God, I don't know what to say, I don't know what the right thing is. Well, I don't either, and I'm 17 years bereaved, and I'm yes. grandmother as and uh, it's just, look, you'll see by the face of somebody if that's not the words they want to use. I like it, but some people don't. Like some people will say they have an angel in heaven where if you said that to some other mothers and fathers, they would, you know, swing for you. It's really, it's, just, it's, it's about the relationship you have with somebody. And there's nothing wrong with asking them, you know, what, what do you say? How do you feel? I'm just so sorry about what happened to you yeah. and uh, what happened to your little baby. Well, and the conversation will flow then. I knew a woman one time who used to say she had four children, three living. Yeah, and that's the one question we all hate being asked is how many kids have you? Even now, as I say, 17 years on, again, my grandchildren, how many grandchildren have you? I count uh, my baby Dara, but I and sometimes I count Liliana, but I'm at a place where you know, it doesn't matter to me anymore because I'm down the road. But when you're uh, when you're newly bereaved, not counting your child is so wounding. And we don't have the phrase as far as maybe there's something we should work on. And a lot of the, the women long ago used to say, look, I, I um, had five and I reared four, you know, this yes. kind of um, way. And then people knew, oh, you don't go further unless you're invited into the conversation. Yes. But we've lost all that. You know, we don't know what to say anymore to people. And um, that I can feel it myself, my blood pressure going up and people so don't ask me how many kids I have. Do you know, I don't want to get into this today. And then you go away thinking, I should have mentioned her. I shouldn't have. So it's so, it's ongoing, look, it's yes. a process. And it's difficult. Never gets any, it never gets yeah. any easier. Tell me about Liliana and tell me about Dara. Well, Liliana arrived. I got pregnant with Liliana. She was a change of life baby, they used to call them long ago. And um, I got the fright of my life, was back at work and everything. But um, like we settled into it and I was worried because of my age, you know, I was in my mid 40s and, and worrying what would happen. But she was perfect pregnancy, perfect baby. The placenta failed and it wasn't picked up and she died the day before she was due. And I never thought, like I worked, worked as a psychiatric social worker at the time, but I never thought that a child who never drew breath or never put a foot in the ground could have had such an impact and I couldn't believe how bad I felt. And to put it in context, you know, I had lost my sister at a young age, I lost my mother at a young age and, um, you know, an adult daughter as well. But we have places in society for all that in our communities. I couldn't believe how bad it was. And I was thinking, look, if I feel this way, then other people must feel 
way as well. <clears throat> and then when I found out that we were registering her and uh, that she was actually, you know, we we're getting a piece of paper, but really it was totalistic mm-hmm. because when I died, her grandparents were, I mean, she only had one living grandparent at the time and he's very elderly, that when we're gone, like I'm 62 now and David is 70, that, that she's gone too. You know, there is no... Well, what do you get, um, Mary? Yes, what does she have? A still birth cert that looks the same as a, a, as a, a birth cert until you see the top of it. And then if you go looking for it, you can't have it. Do you know that I can get it, David can get it, but we can, no one else can. I see. Do you know, so, um, but what we want is that it's a searchable register so that down the road when people go looking for their family trees and, you know, this everyone's at it these days, that they'll know that this baby existed. She was yeah. loved. We were proud of her. She's not our guilty little secret. We're not ashamed of her. There is no space in today's, um, you know, in today's community in our life for that, that. And But at the same time, I would have huge sensitivity around mothers who gave birth long ago, you know, when I say long ago, no, about, you know, 30, 40 mm. years ago. Their, their attitudes might be different because that's how they were, you know, kind of forced to see it really. And if they want an opt-out, um, you know, an opt-out, if I suppose there was maybe an opt-in for um, the register going forward. Like we're hoping that the register, uh, now that it's opened or that they're going to open it, that it will be much broader. Like There's no point in just having families and cousins and sisters. They all know about Liliana. Yeah. I want the rest of the world to know about her if, they, if they're going to for Genia. I have a, I have a friend who's a, a genealogist and does yeah. family trees and I've seen her, I've seen how she works and she's she's taught me a lot yeah. about how it's done, but she would in doing your family tree, she would yeah. not find Liliana. No, she might suspect. Well, she wouldn't suspect Liliana because you know our family would have ended in ninety four as far as she's concerned. But for some families, she'll see you know maybe you know the up to the 80s, up to the 70s, they would have had a child every second year and there's a gap for a few years that genealogists usually know how to, you know, to, to fill these gaps. But ordinary people don't. And it, but it, she's, I suppose what you're saying there is she absent, she is. Yeah. That she didn't exist, even though she was only a day away from, from you she know... Was, she was born. Term. She was held. She was. She was loved. She was. She's remembered. Yeah. And if she'd been taken a week earlier, she'd be here. Well, who knows, but the chances are she'd be here. And she has had a huge impact on our family. And I hope on other families too, with the forming of Felicon and that, you know. Yes, and, and Dara, your your little grandson then, what happened there? Yeah, Dara has a birth cert and a death cert, and he's a huge part of our family, like we Dara days, and that, remember him. My daughter, and like I suppose they've often found the tragic irony of this, that Aoife was the volunteer who used to coordinate the um, memory boxes and we never thought we'd get one ourselves, do you know? And we all, I remember, always wished I could have had one of these. And Jesus, I remember when they were giving it to, to us in the hospital, I said, actually, I can't, do you know, take one. I, I just feel I jinxed it, you know? And then another way, what I did was go and get one up and went up to Blackpool and got one. And um, I bought one, a, a different one, because every time we close the ribbon on the memory box, we always just say a little prayer, if you're not religious, a little wish that the family who'll get it will find comfort in it. And that, you know, that they know it's, it's bereaved families are making these for them, so they'll have what we didn't. So 
I just couldn't open one thinking we had closed it ourselves. I hope this is making sense to you it now. Is, but, it is, it is. Um, so I went up to, um, yeah, I got one in the, in the shopping centre above and we put it together, a little Peter Rabbit with us at the time when we put, um, put a Peter Rabbit one together for her then. But Dara, we don't know what happened. We still don't know. He um, Last minute, everything, she was 15 days overdue. Last minute, everything went crazy in the labour ward. Uh, he They resuscitated him and it took a while and he died three days later mm. in their arms. So, so yeah, he lived three days, and he has a birth cert and a death and cert. A death. So, therefore, he would turn up Maybe. in this fictional Janet yeah. family tree search yeah. of which I speak. And then, but your lovely but little Liliana won't because she's on this register now, and that register yeah. is not available to the public. No, not available at all. It's only available to parents. And it, in my day, it was grandparents. I don't know if that's changed. And I'd have to, to change it. But, you know, it's, it's like it should be available to everyone. But they're not, we're not ashamed of them. We actually love them. We honour them. We're why isn't so it, do you know? Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever been given a reason, Mary, as to why no, it isn't available? What we hear when we talk to people is that this is a very sensitive issue. All death is sensitive. All that mm-hmm. is sensitive. Mm-hmm. We know that. They're saying that, look, some people won't want to um, have their baby registered. I said, well, why don't they? What are you saying? What are you saying to us when you say you won't want Have you, you ever... Re- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In your your work with Felicon, have you ever come across anybody who didn't want the name recorded and No, but what I have come across are older women um, you know, that are coming to the end of their life and you know, we start looking back trying to make sense of things and want their baby's name on a headstone. It's as if they feel they're asking for something huge and that's not quite right. Okay. It's that they were so Isn't that terrible away. though? Isn't that dreadful? It is. Still there, that burden is still there, as if there was something. This, you know, the stigma, the shame, this failure, and like as as a bereaved mother, I don't know any mother that I've worked with, and that's hundreds over the the last few years that, that haven't had at some stage when we're really honest with each other, saying, "If only, you know, did I? Should I have taken? You know, if it was a, even a miscarriage, or whatever, should I have done this? Should I have done that? That even though we know that there's always going to be baby loss, and that there's limits to to you know, to life and you know, our children get sick and sometimes they get sick in the womb and they don't um they don't survive. That because it's within the womb, you know, the week we just seem to think you know, if I had maybe. Now most of us just let that go because I never reached a resolution really about not having um shouting 
particular when I knew the baby was getting quieter that if I said I should have got in. So in the end, look at this hour of my life, I've just let it go. And I say that to other mothers that I'm supporting is you can carry it or, or let it go because we'll never find, you're never going to, you know, none of us do. And um, one way, though, I think of, of telling mothers, um, especially because, you know, we kind of blame ourselves a bit, is that, you know, register our babies, have them openly there next to their brothers, their sisters, if they have them, or their parents, that they're in a searchable mm. register. If it, if it makes absolute sense to me, Mary, as, an, yeah. as a layman. It, are you, it I just don't get, It makes don't total sense to I, me. Why doesn't, it make sense? Why doesn't it make sense to the people that can make it happen? I, well, it, it is happening, I suppose. The only thing we are going to ask them is to, and we will probably be, you know, holding RTDs now with this, is to, that the register should be retrospective, you know, yes. that people can opt in. So that yeah. if something is, you know, one of the, the mothers might think, oh God, I don't know, I don't know, can I do it now? Then don't opt in. So that there's um, an opt in for those, and we would publicise that to let mothers know, look, your baby can now be registered, this is what you have to do, or we can help you with it. Or, the, But it is a retrospective, and the other one going forward would be that it is open. You know, it's open to everyone, that these yeah. babies exist. They're a huge part of our community they're, and they're lost to their communities. And, you know, if we can love them, honour them, care for them the way we do. And I think about Liliane, I'd say, I think about her every day, you know, um, yes. and I don't know any parent who doesn't either, you know, in whatever way you will. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm in pain or grieving every day, just that she is part of my life. And that's the way. It's. So why is she so happy? Yes. That line is, is, is failing upon us. So, But just before yeah. I let you go, so the register is now there, but... A bill for the register. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is a register, yes, and but it's closed. Yes, and it will be... O- yeah. Has it been decided to open it? No, it's only a bill, um, PJ, so we will be... Yeah, we'll be on the trail, the campaign trail, okay. <laughs> you know, to, to make sure. And we're delighted, I have to say, actually, that it, it came faster than we thought in the end. We're absolutely delighted and, and grateful that it is going to be debated. Okay. You know, it, it will... A lot of other stuff will come out too, but for now, um, you know, I suppose one thing at a time, and it, it, this will bring a lot of comfort to an awful lot of people. And it's called it's it's called the Remember Our Names campaign. I think it's a lovely name, a, a lovely title for it. Um, Mary, we'll talk again. Um, I'll follow this one with, with great interest because I've never, like I said, I've never been able to understand the reticence to allow the names to be publicly searchable. You know, there was yeah. there were re- there were real children. Yeah, they were. But for whatever reason, whatever happened the last few days of life for a lot of them, just, you know, whatever, we don't know. The babies die for reasons we don't know, not for reasons, uh, for no reason. And we all say that's another campaign we have about um, monitoring women's health and that, you know. All right, all right. Leave it there for today. And we'll talk again, Mary Cregan of Felicon. So the law is in the process of changing. There's a bill on the table that would allow this register to open and that a stillborn baby would be searchable just like and the other baby would be searchable in a family tree and there's other things that would be uh, doable that are not presently doable but I've often wondered that why it is that you know a child stillborn child isn't seen as being as important as the other child um Bernie says, I had a little sister that was stillborn, and if somebody asks me how many brothers and sisters I have, I say five. I couldn't not count her. That lady's fascinating. 
Thanks for having her on the show. 0818969696. Someone got onto us from Kiltegan Park in Rochestown. They've had a valve leaking out on the road for 48 hours now. It's a huge flow of water, maybe five litres a minute, running down the road. We've called Irish Water's emergency number. <laughs> it could be two weeks. That's emergency. Two weeks before they fix it. I hear ads for Irish Water telling us to conserve water, and yet this is their response. There must be a reservoir somewhere being drained at the moment. Very frustrating. If Irish Water are listening, they need to sort this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The emer- an, an emergency call-out might take two weeks. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't doubt you will. Correct me if I'm wrong. But in the days of the council, when the council did this kind of thing, you rang the council and there was someone out there by the end of the day. Or am I living in some kind of romantic view of the past? I've often been accused of it. Irish waters say, oh yeah, we'll put that on an emergency list. We'll be out in two weeks. <laughs> emergency, my Barney. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96FM. The one second song. It's been wrecking heads all over Cork for weeks now. It's frustrating. It's doing my head in. It's infuriating. <laughs> And someone needs to put a stop to it. Does this song even exist? <laughs> Tune into the Big Drive Home for your chance to play every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home with Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's ninety six FM. PJ, I live on Mormont Road. I reported a leak on the twenty seventh of April. Still not working. A few old people living up here. It's terrible and so dark and dangerous. Please don't about my name of course it won't yeah, reporting a leak to Irish Water and they put it on an emergency list and sure it might see it before Christmas hopefully don't necessarily say which Christmas but we'll see what we can do 0818 96 96 96 so there's an increasing number of people giving up the drink or spending long periods of time off the drink or going out socialising and having a zero rather than an actual point or an actual bottle. And as more and more good quality zero stuff becomes available, you can see more and more people starting to do it. And it's it's an interesting conversation in itself. But I do remember the story of Emmett Brennan at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, boxer Emmett Brennan. And Emmett, you, at the time, would you say at this stage, looking back, that you had an alcohol problem or just that you couldn't manage your drinking? Morning. Um, how's it going, PJ? First of all, um, nah, I, I am a bad drinker. Um, like a lot of younger people, like um, when I came out of school and just because I've been involved in sport, I would have been deprived of um, alcohol for long periods of times. And then when I did drink, it was like being drinking and being drinking really, really hard. And that's something that just sort of kept with me as I got a little bit older and older. And what I'm starting, what I'm starting to see with a good few people my own age, like I'm in my early 30s now, um, a, lot of us, a lot of us are still drinking the way we drank when we were 20, 21, 22. And... It's all it's okay to drink like that when you're coming out of your teens and you don't have a lot of responsibility, but um, sometimes them habits stay with us and it's not necessarily a good thing. 
You describe yourself as a bad drinker. Yes. Yes. You you wouldn't describe yourself as having had an alcohol problem, would you? Um, No, because I've often gone off before, as I said there, I've often gone off before six, seven, eight months. Um, Not really a problem, but when I have something to focus on, i.e. boxing, um, that wouldn't it wouldn't really bother me at all. Um, but once I do start drinking, like everything else in my life, I've sort of I would say an addictive personality. Right now, I'm putting that energy into positive things like my own boxing, setting up a business. But when I'm focusing on something negative like drinking, I go overboard. Okay, and then you went to New York. This was the turning point for you. You went to New York in March 2022 to try and get started as a pro, and and that went south, didn't it? Yeah. So like, does um, I think it's a known fact. So you come back from the Olympics, there's always like a slump. Um, yeah. like a lot of people find it hard to come back into normal life and. A lot of like depression and stuff like that. Now I wasn't depressed, but I just I didn't have that big goal of the Olympics in front of me, and I had no structure around my life. So for like it was eight months post Olympics, I was probably binge drinking week after week after week, yeah. and then I got an operation in January 2022 on my shoulder. I had a bad shoulder injury, and I was like, look, I have a little bit of downtime. I'll go off to New York in March. Um, and I'll try to get set up as a pro because that was always the dream for me after the Olympics was to go professional in New York. I said, I'll go over there for two months and just start making connections, getting my name out there, getting to know the Irish community. And I done, I done that, but I done it in the pub six nights a week. Right, right. Mm. Your parents, yeah, so, your family came over to see you and in the middle of the day you were you were drunk. Yeah, so like again, um, what happened was with COVID, I bought me mother a, I bought her a trip to New York for a sixth during COVID, but it just happened that I kept on getting put off, put off, and put off, and I was over there at the same time that she was going to be there, and I was in New York six, uh, no, eight weeks at this stage. I was supposed to meet her at two p.m. in the day, and I'd gone out the day before, just as I said the. Uh, um, when I'm drinking, I go I go full yard. So I went drinking the day before. I might start at 5 or 6 p.m. that day. Mm. And then I didn't stop until 11 o'clock the next morning. And I had to go meet her at like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. So I turned up um, fairly in a bad state. And obviously she hadn't seen me in eight weeks. So I was prone a bit of weight. My skin looked terrible. I was obviously still drunk and tired from the night before. So... She was obviously very, very worried um, in the state that I turned up in. Yeah. And then, what was was that the turning point? Did did you realise that, Emmett, I need to take this under control? Or, or did she say it to you? Yeah, because she never says it to me, but I, I knew by the reaction, her and my sisters were there, I knew by the reaction they weren't happy. Um, and I'd sort of, like, in the week leading up to that, so that was, like, eight weeks when I went to New York and I was drinking like that, as I said, six days a week. So I'm not I'm not sure, but I saw I knew it was becoming a problem, but I felt a little bit lost and isolated in New York and the alcohol was just a way for me to sort of forget about things and to meet people and 
it was just it just got a hold of me really really bad over there and as I said six days a week and like it was heavy drinking it was I wasn't going out for two or three a night it was you're going out full full tilt um, six days a week and that I had what did, what did you do? this is going to sound like a stupid question what did you do on the seventh day sleep sleep or I was trying to do a little bit of rehab on the shoulder or try to get myself back together and then I was just I was just going around in circles. Like, I, I know a good few people in New York, but like all the people that I know in New York, they all walk in bars. So yeah. I was meeting up with them in the pub while they were walking and I'd go drink with them. Then they might be off at 10. I'd stay out till 2am 2, 2 in the morning with them. That was just happening on the daily. Um, as I said, it just everything sort of got away from me. Um, you must have been spending a lot of money because drinking in New York isn't yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's so. When I looked at the bank account, I knew I had to stop. Like, I, I had a good bit of savings from the Olympics and that, and that's obviously another big regret. All that I've spent because uh, I wasn't working when I was over there, I was only on a holiday visa, I couldn't work so and I was there for 10 weeks. So, you can imagine um, the amount of money that I spent. Yeah, and did you just decide there and then that's it, it's gone? Was there one day when you said, Right, I'm done? Yeah, so um, it was my sister's birthday when she came over. I went and met them on the fourth day, and then two days later, I was supposed to meet up with them again, and I woke up, and this, this is going to sound crazy, but I had strep throat. My whole throat had closed up, and I thought it was COVID that I was after getting, and I genuinely, I was in bed, riddled with anxiety, paranoid out of my head, and I genuinely, I thought it was dying from COVID. I couldn't breathe. I was choking. I was in a really, really bad way, and I was like, "Look, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get the seeding that day because I was, I was actually in bits. Um, I was like, I had to change things. I'm going, I I was going home in ten days. That was coming up to the end of April. I was going home on the third of May. Yeah, but just me being me and the state that I was in, I was like, "Look, I've, I'll be probably better in two or three days after the strep throat." I says, "I'm going to go hard there for the next seven, eight days." drink as much as I can, then the second I touch down back in Ireland, I'm off it. Right. And mm. is that what you did? That's what I done. Yeah, that's what I done. So went You gave it one last step. lash, like? Uh, yeah, I gave it one last lash. Went out on my sword, went all out. I had friends coming over the week after. Um, Katie Taylor was fighting over there in Madison Square Garden. So just... Looking back, it's such a bad mindset to think that way. That I was gonna go drink for seven days straight, ruin myself as much as I can, knowing that when I got home, I'm gonna give it a big shot to go off it. And tell me, how hard was it to just stop? To just stop, it wasn't that hard because I left New York. So the last day I drank was the third of May, two thousand and twenty-two. Um, I was leaving New York that day. I was hung over the bits. I was full of anxiety. Um, got the flight home. I'm in new surroundings. I'm back around my family. I came home very, very motivated that I was going to get my professional boxing career back on track and I was going to become injury-free and alcohol just didn't align, that, align with where I was going. Um, so so, so you've not had a drink since you stepped on that plane? Yeah, I haven't had a drink well, since the tour of May 2022. Well done, fella. Well done. So, well done. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't. And do you consider yourself, moment. sorry Emmett, do you now consider yourself a non-drinker, an ex-drinker, what? 
no, it's it's a, it's a strange one because I do still get cravings. Like two or three months ago, I was dying to drink, um, just to go out and have a few. And like, like I'm not an alcoholic. I could go out and have a few. Yeah. But I'm I'm afraid if I go out and have two or three, I get a little bit complacent, and then two or three weeks I might have four or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, ten yeah. or eleven like weeks you. that might go into seven or eight. Like you said, you're 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 a, you're a bad drinker. So how do you feel now? Um, I feel great, honest to God. I feel on top of the world. So as I said, I want to. I'm trying to become a professional boxer. I'm trying. Well, I'm, I'm I've got my license on that. So. Um, but there's been a lot of obstacles over the last year, and I know if I was drinking and um, I wasn't living the life that I'm living now, I wouldn't be in the mindset that I have right now. Um, alcohol for me just doesn't agree with me. It doesn't agree with my mindset. I'm, I'm yeah. an ambitious person, um, and that sort of ruins the ambition with me. And things seem to go a little bit south once I'm drinking, yeah. whereas right now I'm living such a healthy life. As I said, haven't drank in in a year, training every day, living a really healthy lifestyle. My mindset is great. I'm walking. I've set up my own business. All of this stuff wouldn't have been possible if I was still drinking the way I was. And your 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 advice to people is, if you think booze is holding you back, just stop. Yeah, just stop. And look, I'm. I'm not stupid. I know that's not the same. Everyone's not in the same situation. Sure. And it's not going to be. Re- it's not going to be easy. Like you look at it, most of your friends. What do they do on Thursday night after work or a Friday night? They're down in the local pub. They're having a few drinks, and it's it's very very hard to say, to say no to that. Especially at the start, you get that. Um, it's FOMO, isn't it? Fear of missing out, yeah. knowing that they're all having a good time and. You're at home, you're in bed at nine o'clock or wherever it is, and they're in the pub having a laugh. It's I'm well aware it's not easy, but if you if you're a similar personality to me and you wanna be successful, you wanna be ambitious, sometimes these are just the things you gotta do. All right. Um and you don't have to go off it forever, like if you're in the same situation as me, like you can go out for a few weeks, a few months. But I think a lot a lot of people at a similar age to me, turn 32 now. So a lot of people my age, I think, are in the same boat. Like yeah. I have a lot of friends that have given up completely. Yeah, there's more and more, more and more people I know, and I'd be older than you now, Emma, but there's more and more people I know who are giving it a go and just saying, look, no, I'm, I've got something coming up in six weeks, I'm not going to have a drink until then. That's the start kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, de- I definitely do think so. Because I, as I said there, I think a lot of us still drink the way we did in our early 20s yeah. and you know yourself the, bo- you the body can't party. the body can't hack it uh, like it used to Emmett I wish you continued success and particularly in boxing look forward to seeing you boxing pro one of these days Emmett Brennan gave up drink 3rd of May 2022 he describes himself as a bad drinker uh, he doesn't agree with him and now he's a year without a, without a drink he's feeling better and getting ready for a life in professional boxing. Good man, Emmett. 0818 96 96 96. Are there more people giving up the booze for a few weeks, a few months, for good? I'd like your thoughts. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. 
Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Sorry, coming back to that thing up in Mormont Road. I had the wrong end of the stick entirely. It's a streetlight problem. A streetlight problem reported on the 27th of April and they are still not working, today being the 8th of May. A few old people living up there. It's terrible by night. It's dark and it's dangerous. Uh, yeah, that we've had this countless times. And how many people get onto us over the years? Lads, we haven't had a streetlight working in our park for months. And sometimes it happens. I'm not going to make any promises now. But sometimes it happens that they they do listen, you know. And they'll get a truck up there and by the end of the day they'll have something done about it. So Mormont Road, Montanati, isn't it? Yeah. Mormont Road, Montanati, streetlights reported as broken on the 27th of April. And still nothing done about it. Can someone please take care of that? 0818 96 96 96. Lots of stuff coming in about zero alcohol and about giving up alcohol and I'll come back to that also going to discuss in a while I want your thoughts on the whole GAA Go thing, I have mine stated them at the top of the programme I will state them again, I think what they're doing with GAA Go is ridiculous we've had two classics in two weekends behind a paywall and I think for our own sports, in our own province, on our own national television station to be charging us extra for it is just wrong wrong in my view come back to it all 0818 96 96 96 Barry Gallagher from the Irish Sun has been looking into this whole Turkish cosmetic surgery thing and Barry you've had an investigation published in the paper you found it so easy to get signed up in a few minutes for stuff Maybe stuff you didn't even need. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, yeah, I suppose it was it was incredibly easy. Um, you know, as a, a, a young kind of twenty four year old guy, all it took was um, a quick Google search, uh, click into a WhatsApp link, and within a few minutes, I was speaking to a speaking to a consultant over text and getting my body evaluated essentially. So. And were they looking for medical records? Were they looking for scans? Were they looking for anything from your own doctors at home? In terms of my medical history, no. They were uh, they were all completely satisfied with my age, weight, height, my, um, if I had any previous surgeries, or if I drank or did drugs. Uh, at that point, they were they were more than happy to uh, make their recommendations and uh, schedule a procedure. So, tell me some of the things you were able to, as it were, sign up for in a few minutes. Um, yeah, so um, it essentially ranged from uh, I was offered a hair transplant um, for two thousand euros. So that essentially grafts hair to the front of my head that's taken from from the back, um, lip fillers, jaw fillers, uh, liposuction in my stomach, back, and waist. Um, and I was uh, also offered um, six pack contouring. So it would essentially strategically kind of remove fat from my from my abdomen to make my six pack uh, more prominent so yeah quite a lot of um, quite a lot of procedures on offer there and all of this like what's this vasor liposuction for example what's that 
Um, it's essentially, um, without going too, too hard into specifics, it's more of a kind of an, a less invasive version of, um, of, of kind of more traditional liposuction procedures. So I suppose it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, as extensive, it's not as a uh, complicated procedure, but it's, you know, it's still, it's still essentially, um, fat removal. So it's the same kind of idea, but it's just a little bit more, uh, a little bit more simplified. Okay. Now you brought some of what was made available to you to the attention of doctors here. What the hell would they tell you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, the doctors based in Ireland were obviously quite shocked, especially by, you know, what I was offered the kind of <laughs> the extremes that, 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 uh, yeah, that the consultants went to over there. Like, I mean, I was offered in terms of my jaw fillers, I was offered eight milliliters of, of, of filler in my jaw. Um, and apparently according to, um, Professor Katrina, who I was speaking to, or sorry, Catherine Ryan, um, like that is more than double the uh, the absolute max that she would that she would recommend. Um, you know the six six pack uh, contour in there. Um, you know without proper you know lifestyle based questions or health based questions. Um, if if I essentially put put weight back on after my procedure, it would look completely abnormal. You know it. Uh, described as I would end up looking like a, a turtle shell so God. yeah because if you if you, so you get you get the six pack sculpted you and you're grand and then you start putting on the the few snack boxes and burgers and chips yeah so you end up like with a fat six pack pretty much essentially that's what it is because um it's 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 again not that I can go into specifics but it's essentially a, a strategic kind of removal of fat between my um, my muscles that accentuates what's already there, but you know, yeah, once the weight's put back on, it it looks, you know, it it looks completely out of the ordinary, and it, it's not something that would have been explained to me during my consultations. Definitely not. Yeah, there was dental stuff as well. You looked into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent, I would say, three pictures of my my teeth just with my phone. Um, that's essentially how, how it would work. I would send after the questionnaires, I would send them pictures of my face, hair and, and full body. And they would rec- make their procedure recommendations based off that. So in terms of my teeth, yeah, I was offered uh, 24 crowns and one tooth extraction. Um, that would have sent me back around three, about just under 4,000 euro. 24 crowns. That's an, a monumental amount of work, let alone at else. Yeah, um, yeah, one one or two crowns is, is is a bit of a procedure in itself. I mean, yes. I've had caps before, and, and you know they they can be tricky. But twenty four crowns, I I can't imagine what kind, of, what kind of what kind of torture that through a straw for months while that healed up. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an absolutely massive, massive, uh, massive job, um, and it's not something I would have would have looked forward to. Now, oh, but um, God, no, the weight loss stuff. How that you were looking into that too. Yeah, that was the um, yeah essentially the, the the liposuction, and then there was uh, gynecomastia removal. That's essentially breast reduction. Yeah. Um, you know these these are are, are pretty. Um, while the procedure themselves aren't as complicated as they used to be, they're, they're for for a, a young a young early, someone in their young early twenties. It's you know these are these are pretty big procedures to get, and I suppose without the proper medical consultations, you could be doing something that you might end up you know really regretting in the long term. Yeah, like none of this is illegal. It's very important to stress. But at the same time, mm-hmm. um, th- there are things they don't tell you. Like after the hair transplant, did someone say you'd need medication? 
Yeah, um, as part of the hair transplant, essentially, uh, that was not explained to me whatsoever. That uh, following that procedure, I would have needed to be on medication to, you know, to maintain that transplant, maintain the strength of my hair uh, for, if I'm not mistaken, for the rest of my life. Um, you know, that's something that certainly wasn't um, made clear to me. Mm. Um, and even, you know, how the procedures worked. I mean, the only reason I even know anything about how the procedures work is because I looked them up after the fact. Um, you know, absolutely no, no real explanation of what I was going to uh, mm. put myself through. You also finally, Barry, looked into when it goes wrong, what is available for people. You asked the Department of Foreign Affairs, have they had to help with people when everything goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just um, what they kind of clarified is, yeah, they've had a number of a number of uh, a number of kind of consultations with with people who have travelled for these procedures, and even you know. Um, you know, like there have been you know, multiple instances, you, you would see it nearly in, in the paper, you know, once every few weeks of, of the kind of the horror stories that some people come back with. And uh, the what I was offered kind of in terms of post-op when I get back to Ireland was a 24-7 online consultation. Um, but what was kind of clarified to me by the professionals I spoke to is that, you know, a consultation over the phone from Turkey to Ireland isn't really enough to, to diagnose, uh, you know, say an infection or mm. or you know, or something like that. It's it's so hard to differentiate, especially when it's over the phone. Yeah. So um, obviously post-op consultations just really aren't a massive priority, it seems, yeah. but it's 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 kind of a risky, risky procedure. Certainly a case of buyer beware here, Barry. Good work in the Irish Sun today. That's Barry Gallagher, reporter with the Irish Sun, looking into just what's available in Turkey, just how quickly you can get signed up for it and the pitfalls when you do or if you do thanks Barry 0818 96 96 96 it's become very popular we've spoken to I don't know how many people who've been over there got work done and one or two people said it all worked out great I did talk to one lady was it last year who said don't believe all you read it's 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 difficult. It's very hard afterwards takes months and months to recover and there's a good investigation there today by Barry Gallagher into just exactly what is out there, how quickly you can get signed up and how happy they are taking money off you 0818 96 96 96 Getting back to Emmett and his story of giving up the drink um, and using zero or he's not drinking at all but so many people are now having a zero. Heineken zero is good says Kevin. Guinness is awful they can't seem to get it right. Wish they would, because I'm going right off of lager. I would disagree with you on the Guinness, Kevin. I think in a pub where the Guinness itself is good, the zero will be good. If the Guinness itself is crap, then so too will the zero. Although it is a little bit sweet, and you do need to get it served to you really cold. If it's not really cold, it's too sweet. That one I will give you. The Heineken, Heineken zero, yeah, drinkable. Quite, quite drinkable, but you wouldn't drink more than a couple of them, like. Um, I'm going over to Liverpool in a few weeks with a bunch of lads, all of them younger than me. I know I'll be mixing in a few zeros, because the days of keeping up with them <laughs> is well over. I can't be dealing with a hangover. Jen says, I drink non-alcoholic beer all the time now, but it's getting so expensive. It is, Jen. You're not wrong. It is ridiculously expensive, non-alcoholic beer. Morning, PJ. On the back of this interview on alcohol, well done to that guy for stopping. On the subject of zero alcohol drinks, can someone explain the difference between zero alcohol drinks and drinks which have had the alcohol removed from them? Most of the modern zeros are drinks that have had the alcohol removed 
from them. They used to do non-alcoholic drinks before, non-alcoholic beer, and honest to God, you wouldn't use them to clean a sewer. That's why the new ones are more drinkable. They take the alcohol out after they make the stuff. And that has an effect on taste. I know not why. That's just what we've been told. I saw this mentioned on an interview with a girl who had a liver transplant. Also, I remember Michael Gearan saying at Christmas that having those drinks in the presence of a person who has an addiction isn't helpful. And when purchasing zero alcohol drinks, they're still classified as alcohol. So the 17-year-old on the till can't serve you. I just feel there's a lot of questions about zero alcohol. Cheers. <laughs> Maybe the wrong term from Jer. Yeah. There's another one too, Jer. The zero alcohol stuff is outside of the off license. So if you go into a, a shop with an off license and it has the Wild West doors on it like they have these days. But outside it, you have the zero section. So you might have zero Guinness and zero Heineken and zero Carlsberg and zero Bulmers, which we used to call Sedona when I was growing up. Um, but can you, outside of normal licensing hours, this I, don't, I genuinely don't know the answer here. Can I buy Heineken Zero outside of alcohol trading hours? And if I can't, why can't I? Because there's no alcohol in it. Like, surely I should be able to buy something with no alcohol in it outside of alcohol trading hours. It's a good question. 0818 96 96 96. Right, GAA Go. Two classics in two weekends. Claire and Limerick... Last weekend, stormer of a game, Marty Morris, he nearly fell out of the commentary box on radio and I ran home to get the end of it on the television only to discover it wasn't on the television, it was on GAA Go. And then Cork and Tip, Saturday night down the park, an absolute thriller, ended in a draw, tremendous comeback by Cork, fantastic performance, everybody talking about it, not on the telly, on GAA Go. Has it gone too far? Next. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... Every year, we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You name you name feel... Only on Cork's 96FM. So the GA goal thing really came to a head over the last two weeks here in Munster. I mean, on... Last weekend, there was that fabulous ding-dong between Limerick and Clare in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick, which wasn't on the telly. And then this Saturday night, down in the park, there was Cork versus Tip in a fabulous match, which ended up in a draw, great comeback, great Cork performance. Everybody talking about it, except it wasn't on the telly. It was on GAA Go. And last night on the Sunday game, on RTE, to be fair, to Donal Cusack, Cork legend himself, he decided it was time to speak up about it a bit. There was people saying on Twitter, I was reading it late last night, that, oh, maybe maybe Donal Cusack has signed his resignation letter from the Sunday game. But, to be fair to the man, he didn't hold back. I have no issue with pay-per-view. That's part of the landscape and it has its role to play. But if you look at, by next weekend... 
when Clare play Warford. Four of the biggest Munster Championship games will have been on pay-per-view. The GA have introduced this microwave hurling championship, this compressed season, where there's 11 weekends of hurling. I would say three or four of those now, you're not going to have any games on, on free-to-air. And you have to ask, who is accountable for the promotion of hurling? Because whoever it is, is not doing a good job. The GA took on trusteeship of it. It looks as if they're actually shrinking the grain instead of growing it. And I would say, you'd have to question, are RTE and the GA exploiting hurling? How many games, how many Munster Championship games in the football compared to the hurling, hurling have they showed? It looks very like that they're using hurling to get this giant venture off the ground, whereas it should be the other way around. There's loads, hundreds, thousands of brilliant, brilliant volunteers out on the game who are trying to grow hurling. As I said at the outset, it needs oxygen. There's no better oxygen that you'll get in the game than the imagery coming out of the likes of Tip and Clare from a full Innes, that being beamed into every house in Ireland. The Clare and Limerick game, the power of that. My, my nephew, my father told me lately, can name all of the Liverpool squad. I don't think the inflow was ever in Liverpool. Why is that? The opportunity we've lost over the last number of weeks to market the game has been huge. He's not wrong, is he, Finn? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, no, he's not wrong, is he? Um, they dropped the ball, but then again, people don't call the GA the grab all association for nothing, do they? Um, you know, even going down to the park last Saturday night, um, the prices, the try to try to get tickets, people mm-hmm. want, you know, ridiculous, nine euro for a drink. So Come I'm on. told, I, I, now I haven't seen any receipts to verify that, but I'm, t- I'm well, told I, it was nine quid a pint, yeah. Yeah, nine quid a pint, and even at that, um, I, I tried to get tickets uh, for a friend of mine who's got an 11-year-old daughter. We didn't want to take her into the terraces. Not because the terraces are dangerous, just that she wouldn't have seen the match. Mm. So we tried to get tickets all last week to get seated in one of the stands. Couldn't get them. Then I watched the TV on Saturday night and there was seats vacant in, in, in both stands. Um, I spoke to a guy yesterday. He didn't go home till 10 past 11 because of the traffic. So when you break it down to GA Go for somebody older or go down and, and go through the whole flav of trying to get into the stadium. It's cashless down there as well. Uh, or there's no, it's all cash. There's no, there's no um, credit card. It's all, there's no credit all card, card yeah, down yeah. there. All it's cards, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, you, you have GAA Go. It's, I do. They're, they're, basically, they're using the RTE camera feed, aren't they? Are... Uh, not, not, not so much. Um, the, 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 camera, the camera feed from what, where, the, the other night wasn't the best. It wasn't like the Sunday game or like the All-Ireland final day. But the punditry um, on Cadigan and Bubbles from Tipperary was on absolutely first class. They grabbed the guy from, Tip, um, from Tipperary just on the stroke of half time, um, talking about the, the comeback and the goals and the injuries. And, you know, the, you were nearly there. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. were nearly at the game. It was so well done. And I thought Owen Cadigan was fantastic. And Bubbles, they, they, they went off each other very well. Um, and the pictures better, and the commentary, good? Very good. Very good, yeah. Much better than when Sky tried to when Sky came in with their big marketing ploy to have the GA when you were watching fellas who did you know who hurled back and back way back when and it wasn't quite like being at a GA match. Whereas I have to say people are talking about the prices of it. Twelve euro isn't a lot of money to say to, to spend for somebody who wouldn't be tax tech savvy and getting tickets online and trying to meander his way through the whole no, lava down in Park. No, Street. but Finn, I can get a day of Sky Sports through Now TV. You can for less than that. You can indeed, but 
but on the other side of it, and I would be against watching matches on television. I'd prefer to go to them as well yeah. simply because of the atmosphere. But uh, 12, 12 euros on, of sports on now TV isn't watching your national game. And I Correct. think €12 Euro is a very, very good price. And it's the only, the, the fault is at the doorstep of the GEA. Because, you know, like, forget what uh, Donald Oak said, or Donald Cusack said last night. You know, you've got this backdoor championship. You've got games every week. You've got games every second week. The hurlers are out one week. The footballers are out the next week. You're going into the pockets of diehard GA fans. And in fairness to Cork people, if there was two flies fighting and one of them was wearing a Cork jersey, the Cork lads would go out and watch it. Simply because of our history with sport in the city. But they're being outpriced. They're being overpriced. And it's not, it's not worth the value to go make your way down to Parky Cueve for a night like that when you're being get inside the door and then you're being extorted in there. And I go back all the time, and I think I spoke to you about this. Last year, there was a monopoly between the Cork and Kerry County boards regarding senior football championships and where the, you know, the home, home venue mm. advantage. Mm. The GEA cut that. Not that Cork would have beaten Kerry, don't get me wrong, because they, they gave them a good rattle, but Ed Sheeran was playing down the park. Where did the money go? Yeah. You know, are any of the Cork hurlers, are any of the Cork footballers, are any of the Cork camogie players, and by the way, congratulations to the miners yesterday winning a great All-Ireland. Are they getting it back in their back pocket? No, they're not. Yeah. You see, what worries me, Finn, and I, I get it, look, the original idea of GAA Go was that if you were in New York or London or Shanghai or Singapore or wherever you are, that you could buy in, watch the match and enjoy it just like anybody else. But the idea of me being in Douglas... Uh, wanting to watch a match down the road and having to pay for it, that, that, doesn't sit, that doesn't sit well for me. But does it sit with you, PJ, or anybody else? And I know you, you've, you've travelled the length and breadth of the country like myself watching games, but does it sit with anybody if they're going to get charged extortionate rates down in Parky Queen? There's a problem. Or if they're going to go and watch a game for 12... As I say, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a receipt for it. You tell me it was nine quid yeah. a point. I was down at a concert last summer and I paid seven quid a point, so it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that I could have gone up to nine. A bag of chips for a child down there. Look, do, do, do the re- you know, you've got Fergal there would, would, would get it out in a second. And the thing about it is, is if you, just for talk's sake, you, Fergal, and two of your buddies want to go down to Parky Quay for a hurling match on a Saturday night, like last Saturday night, and I would have bursted at the seams to get down there, but I just couldn't get a ticket to sit down and watch the match. Yeah. So I watched it on GA Go. But if, you go, if, you, if you're going to take the maths and the equation and the economy that we're living in at the minute... Much cheaper to pay the twelve quid and get a few cans in True. rather than go down. And you know, you know, PJ, you've done it. You've done it with your brother. You've done it with your late father. You've gone to the venue. You've had a pint. You've gone to the Silver Key. You've had a pint, and you've enjoyed the atmosphere. Yeah. And the atmosphere has been soaked out of it. The, the supporters are still there, but they're being overcharged and they're being overpriced and expected. It's become expectant of them to dig deep to their pockets and go off and put money into the Grab All Association. Yeah, and that's an old name that they've never managed to shake off. But if, Why would if, they shake it off? Because they don't have any, they, Because we are a country of pure fanatics when it comes to our hurling. Cork, Limerick, Clare. And you said Limerick and Clare was a classic. I personally think Limerick and Clare wasn't televised because they thought Limerick were going to stroll through an All-Ireland Correct. And in turn, Whereas, I, was, I, I was out doing a message and I had complete, and I turned on the radio and there's Marty Morrissey losing, what, losing his marbles in a commentary box and I'm tearing home to see the last half an hour and it's not on the telly. Yeah, so he's only got two marbles left, but Mark is a passionate clear man. Whereas you and I would have been pulling up what hair we have left out if Cork were coming in. Like, to listen to that game the other night, 
to watch that game tonight, and I've spoken to people and said it was the best game of hurling they were ever at. It wasn't the best game of hurling that people were at because it wasn't, but the atmosphere, the way the court came back into it, mm. you know, and it, as far as skill is concerned, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't up to the great 80s when Tom Cashman was playing, Jim Cashman, John Horgan, these fellas. But the intensity, I was exhausted after the first six minutes and I wasn't even in Parky Queef because these guys went out at hammer and tongs and RTE dropped the proverbial ball by not having that game on the television because I guarantee you it, if they had that game on TV the other night, at halftime they'd have been streets full of young kids wanting to be Pat Horgan, yeah. wanting to be a lad from Tipperary, wanting to be the Cork goalkeeper. And, at- here's, and, and here's what's concerning me most, Finn, is this. That's a Munster Championship match, a Cork and Tip, always guaranteed to be it's a big Ireland, game. isn't it? Yeah. Now, are we facing down the track of the semi-finals and the final eventually being pay-per-view. Is that well, where more, we're more, needed? More, more than likely, because the people that go, don't go to the rainy nights up in, uh, we just say, Fratter Field, for example, are being outpriced to get the tickets, whereas the corporates are getting the tickets and they're going in there. Mm. And, you know, there's boxes put aside for them, blah, 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 which is all well and good because the, the, the GA needs money to get, get keep going, obviously. Mm. But I can see it coming down the road that... In, in not maybe not this year, but maybe next year, if they don't look at the format and if they don't look at how they market people getting to matches, a family ticket, you know, there probably is them, but it's all money and it's all greed and there's no discounts. I can see next year being the GA go having a package for the All-Ireland Football and Hurling Finals. And it wouldn't surprise me if the GA bent over and said, right, we'll do one on a Saturday, one on a Sunday, just so we can get the, in, the, the revenue in. Yeah, you see, you don't know where this is going to stop. Finn, thank you very much. 0818969696. It has to be said, and it's important to say it, that the facilities in Parky Cueve are second to none these days. That food and drink area upstairs, the stadium is brilliant. It's a magnificent stadium. It's world class. But if he's right about nine quid a pint, someone says here that's not true. I was at the match and bought a bottle of water and paid with cash. I was sitting in the stands, didn't see any empty seats. That's that's fair enough. Uh, Noel, morning. Hello. Hi, Noel. Oh, dear, not a bit at all, PJ. Not a bit at all. Like, How did I say? You're on. You're on. Oh. I went in there about the, the, the Grab Ball Association, they're like, and, and, and the so called suits of the GA. Yep, charity, you know, 12 euro for pay per view. I'd like to know how much of that percentage is going to the Players Association. And I also think that the P- Players Association should now be looking long and hard, like, that if the so called suits of the GA are making money out of this. How much of it is going towards the, G- the GPA? That's very, very good point. No, very good point. Where's all this money going to go? Finmar. Oh, uh, PJ, how are you? How are you doing, sir? What do you want to say? Uh, PJ, I'm just ringing you there um, with regard to the Cockby tip match the other night, okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, the standard of refereeing, oh, number one, okay? The standard of refereeing, at that match the other night was absolute disgrace. Well, stick, stick with the GAA go now rather than the standard refereeing because I'm. Well, I, I, I don't know anything about, I don't know well. about how to referee a match. Put it that way. Well, I I have experience because I'm a, I I was a former umpire for many years, you know, mm. and like there was contact with the head. I know, but Vinbert, let's let's there. stick with let's stick with the cost. Let's stick with the pay per view if we can. Well, I stick with the pay per view as well. Okay. Yeah. The pay per view. All last week, my, my my dad, right, 
He's elderly, right? No. All last week, he was very, very upset, you know, worried that he wouldn't be able to get to watch the match, right? He reared a lot of a lot of us, all right? We played the game of GA, do you know what I mean? Um, and, like, like what the GA have done is, 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 is totally wrong, right? After you as well, because they should have bid for... Well, for Biro the, and their partners, GA and RT are partners in GA go. Yes. They are, but like, like the, the Munster Championship, right? Like, you can say what you like about the All Ireland Championship. The Munster Championship is is the All Ireland. Cork v Tip is 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 an All Ireland final. Yeah, no matter what it has way, been, I think, hasn't it? That no has matter what way you look at it, yeah. PJ, right? And like, for them to to put it on pay per view was an absolute disgrace, right? Now. There was a discussion there a couple of weeks ago about these dodgy boxes and all this kind of thing, you know. They're going to drive people underground into that area, mm. right? Because there are dodgy boxes that come with GA go on it, fu- fully sorted for the year. Yes, and, and like, they're going to drive people to that way because people can't afford it. The cost of living is, is crazy. Yeah, is a fair point. Come back, to, I let you come back to the, the head contact at the end. There, there was concern, because I did read the paper yesterday, there was concern about contact with the head. Yeah, like, PJ, it's happening now. There's three matches already after happening this year, right? The contact with the head. Like, how Seamus handled Like, if Seamus handled it, what's hit... Smack on the other night by Carl Barrett. Careful, right? I'm, I'm naming people, but yeah, let's go on. But like, if he if if he hit him head on, like he hit him at the side, but if he hit him straight on, he'd have broke his neck, right? <sighs> then yeah. Karen Joyce, Karen Joyce got, got a um, head contact, yeah, and then Jeremy Miller got head contact. Well, I guess like, if, you, if you look at it, like, if you take rugby. Like, if, you, like what I'm saying, like you, you have the HIA in rugby, okay? Yes, yes. You get uh, direct contact with the head without an attempt to mitigate for yourself is a red card. Is a red card. Any contact with your head is a red card, PJ. Now, Crow Park are 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 telling the likes of us who who referee club games, right? That we're we're to watch out for this, and and we implement the rule book. But the, when the referees go to Crow Park, right? They're told, let it run, anything goes, right? PJ, I'm telling you, if before the year is out, if they don't stamp out this high tattle, right? Mm. There is somebody someone's gonna, you're, going to... You're worried that someone's going to be hurt. Injury. Yeah. And I've worked with people. That I've seen what a head injury impact can do yes. to people, Yes, right? I, I've worked with, in an organisation where... Headway were. I know uh, Headway are, very well. Uh, I know Headway very well, Finbar. I do no, indeed. No, no, like PJ, I'm not, I'm not, like I've, I've been called an alarmist. But it has to be stamped out. Mm. There are certain teams in the championship that are tackling high and they are going to hurt someone. Well, that's, that, 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 that is a concern, Finbar, and thank you for that because there have been incidents. I did read about it in the Sunday papers yesterday. High tackles and in rugby. And, and sometimes it goes back and says, well, was there a need for it? But in rugby, contact with the head. You're you're on the verge of a red card unless there's a very good case to be made for just um, mitigating down to a yellow. So, so that's true. Thank you, Finbar.
and the GAA goal thing, people are they, they don't they just don't they're just not comfortable with it. Um, so Alan was on. He said the premium level of the stands at Parky Cueve, two Heineken and a Murphy, nineteen seventy, which works out at about six sixty each. That's so. That's actually that's not all right, but it's average. Six sixty a point. Now the Murphys would be somewhat cheaper than the Heineken, I think. Um slightly. So six sixty. Two Heineken and the Murphys, nineteen seventy, would be working out at about six sixty a point. Thanks, Alan. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Catherine, where's the money going? Soccer players get paid. Uh, is it the fat cats at the top again? And the already very big and wealthy clubs getting more money. It's a disgrace, says Catherine Walsh. 0818 96, 96, 96. That would be my concern, though, that we could face down the road. Imagine getting to a situation where, for the first time in years, Cork get into an All-Ireland hurling final. Let us imagine an All-Ireland hurling final, Cork and Kilkenny. They don't get much bigger. Or Cork and Tip, they don't get much bigger. Would you pay for it? To see it on the telly on a Sunday at the wrong time of the year, which they've done now. And I worry that that's where we're headed. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. So Avril Murphy is a stunt woman and has been working in movies and television shows for the past 10 years. Avril, how did you get into that kind of work? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, so I've been a professional dancer all my life and was recommended for stunts while I was performing in Greece, the musical. Um, I've always been very active growing up, doing things like gymnastics, horse riding and kickboxing since I was, you know, very young. Right. Um, So, yeah. So I went kind of from dancing... To, to the world of, of stunts yeah absolutely yeah so from my dance training being a gymnast you know gymnast for years for eight years doing kickboxing and everything uh, I was approached while I was performing in a musical uh, Grease the Musical and recommended for stunts yeah ten years ago is it dangerous work uh yeah, PJ, like any stunt can be, you know, dangerous, but safety is, is paramount and says So, you know, whatever stunt you're performing is rehearsed and planned out very well in advance, you know, of the, the final shoot day. Yeah, because well, everybody watches television, everybody watches movies, and you see these yeah. crazy scenes, you know there's a stunt person involved, you know that the, the lead actress isn't there t- taking the fall yeah. or being hit by the car. So, is it the case that like it would, you'd literally spend an entire day working on one scene. Yeah, quite possibly. Depending on you know how high risk the stunt would be, you could be prepping for weeks in advance. Um, you know, depending on whether it's a, a burn or whether it's a high fall or whether it's you know a, a big complicated harness kind of aerial work sequence. Um, absolutely, you could be rehearsing for weeks and prepping that, and then you'd you know, meet the actress and work with them alongside each other as well. So, yeah, it's a big, big, big uh, preparation, you know, goes into every stunt that you do. But as I said, you know, if they are more high risk stunts, you're absolutely uh, you're spending a lot more time on that. What's what's the most daring one you've ever done? Can you remember? Um, Goodness me, there's been a few. I uh, I've done a lot, but I'd say. 
there was one uh, on Vikings years back where uh, we had to climb up this kind of fortress type thing up to the castle, which was it was a very windy day, a very stormy day. And uh, we kind of had to get this scene shot very quickly. And uh, it was lashing rain and everyone was on this kind of fortress type um, fence climbing and then they kind of they lit part of it on fire but of course with the wind the fire kind of traveled and uh, there was a big drop down to a huge um uh, what would you call it like a massive uh, like a gully type thing so yeah that was kind of a heart in the mouth moment for myself because uh, it was very yeah it was very dangerous but also you just had to commit and just go for it and uh, get it done and are there like ropes and and safety lines and big these big wind bags that you know these big airbags that we don't see. Yeah, no, like safety safety on set is is fantastic. You know, we uh, as you said we we rehearse for for weeks beforehand um, on set when we're doing the stunt we'll rehearse it before we actually you know f- uh, shoot the final scene. Um, but absolutely, the safety is really really good. Um, you know, as well with us if we're doing kind of high falls or big impact stunts. We're, you know, we have our, our protective gear on as well as much as we can under a costume. Um, so, no, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're very well rehearsed, very well taken care of. And everyone is there. Stunt coordinators making sure everything is, is uh, just as it's meant to be. Who, who, who have you worked with? So, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough, PJ, to work with, you know, many famous people over the years, including, you know, Jessica Chastain, Blake Lively, Catherine Winnick, Jane Seymour, Karen Gillan, Leslie Mann, Abigail Cohen. So, you know that yeah, there's been a, a lot of people. I've had the the. Uh, yeah. I've been very lucky to work with these people. And over have years. you been matched up for a stunt to to double for someone? Like, do you have to be? Do, do, do the producers pick very carefully? Or oh, well, we can get Avril there now because she'll be a great stand-in for so and so. How it's done? Yeah. So yeah. So being a stunt double, you know, uh, you're you you have to be a very similar height and body shape to your actress. Um, obviously, you're not seeing my face um but you know you you have to be a certain body shape and height definitely to match them um but yeah so you know pre pre um the the film being rehearsed and and shot and everything the director and stunt coordinator will sit down and the producers as you said and and have a look at, at who's been put forward for doubling uh, each actress and it'll be agreed or not agreed as to who suits and uh and it kind of goes from there then and uh you're wigged up if you need to be, et cetera, to match their hair. But yeah, body-wise, definitely in height is the uh, yeah. is the important one in that one. When you tell friends and family, oh, I, I'm in that scene, how, how do they feel watching it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of the time my mother is a heart in the mouth, the poor thing. She's like, oh God, I don't know if I can watch it. But, she, you know, I mean, my friends and family, in fairness, they're over the moon. They, they all feel like a tremendous sense of pride for me, you know. And the best part, I suppose, for them is seeing me do, you know, both my stunts, but also my acting, you know, in, in a box office hit. It's a dream, you know, from a small town in Clonakilty. It's it's fantastic. They're just full of pride and, you know. and I'm, It's I'm fantastic. And, and, and the industry is full of Irish people, really uh, punching above their weight. You had announced your retirement, I'm, I'm told. Yeah, so I, I wish, I wish, PJ, but no, uh, I don't think I'm quite there yet. But uh, no, what I'm working on at the moment is I'm expanding beyond stunts, PJ. So, you know, as you have to be mindful of your body and as you get older. Uh, so I'm working on doing more acting work or TV and radio presenting. So if you have any tips, PJ. Better watch no me, job. <laughs> <laughs> you, you tried, you totally pivoted during, of course, there was no one working during COVID. You went into healthcare. 
I did. I did indeed, PJ. Yeah, you know, I've always I've always wanted to help and give back. And, you know, years ago, while working between stunt jobs, I trained as a, a healthcare worker and worked in many hospitals and nursing homes around Ireland. And when the pandemic hit, I just I knew this was, you know, a chance to really help out and throw myself back in at this, you know, just time in need. And it was extremely sad and, you know, it was very hard work and long hours, but, you know, I was proud and yeah. that I could support and help them, you know, help people in need at such a really horrible time. So, yeah. Is Hollywood as insane as it sounds or as we imagine it to be? Um, well, well, you know, you get to work with a lot of a lot of different characters, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, um, passionate people in, in the industry. And uh, um, I enjoy it. I, I really I really love it, PJ. You know, it's it's something that I suppose um, it's such an, a, a busy, exciting and fun place to, mm. to be. And, you know, you really feel like you're in a special group of talented and like minded yeah. people, you know, and. Are you always yeah. around the stars that you're standing in for or would it be done in a day when they wouldn't be there or something? Um, so, no, you, you would work you would work closely with your um, with your actresses for sure. You, you work very closely with them. So um, you want to make sure that so we, we would rehearse a lot of the scenes together. I see. Um, and uh, we then would work with the actresses. So you need to, you know, you need to know what the, the character that they are, you know, what their their character is, get to know the relationship, you know, to the other characters in the scene. So you've got to make sure that, you know, you do your best job for them because you're, you know, you're reflecting them and you're you're working on behalf of them. So you 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 work very closely with your actress or actor. Um, you learn how they move, what character they're playing, and you basically incorporate that into the movement of your stunt that you're doing for them. So yeah, you're, they're definitely around a lot of the time. You meet with them, you you actually build nice relationships with them as well, and you hang out because mm. you know they're your person, and uh, you're you're you, you want to make sure you do a damn good job for them. Yeah. So uh, you need to hang. Yeah. You, you need to kind of move like them and be Absolutely. like them. So there you go. Is there anything coming up that we could look out for you in? Um, so right now, really, PJ, I suppose I'm just I'm just working on on like for me, I suppose I have a huge interest and passion for acting. So while I love my stunt performing, you know, I, I've recently been shifting focus more into that direction, as you know, you may, may have seen from the role in Dungeons and Dragons. So yes. everything I've done so far as well, which is kind of, I think, quite important to say is I've done without a manager or an agent. So wow. I'm putting together now really is a, a new portfolio and showreel just to help me expand into the new area. So um uh, into you know TV presenting, radio presenting, and my acting. So uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping that it'll be a little bit easier than throwing myself off a bridge. Which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just a good way as ever to leave. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well done, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm hoping it'll be easier than throwing myself off a bridge. Follow that. Thank you, Avril. 0818969696. And thanks to Sarah Horgan for her assistance in letting us up there with Avril. Now, you might find cards around the place over the next while, all signed by Dara. Dara Fleming, another one of these great ideas of yours. Morning. Morning. How are you? How are you keeping? Very briefly, what are these cards and why are you putting them out there? Um, So they're just a little... uh collaboration I did with the Silly Heads a few years ago and they just sent me on a load of them again uh, so it's just a little poem about mental health that is printed on these cards signed by me and then on the back I'll put like an, uh, a personal message or I'll draw a goose or something silly and it's just to remind people that there are other people out there who do care about your mental health and that you're not alone in dealing with your mental health and it's just a little reminder put them on people's windscreens, put them in pubs put them in cafes, mm. wherever I am I just 
you know, leave a little calling card for people to pick up and it might make someone's day a little bit easier. Yeah. Like, here's another, I like this one. A bad day doesn't mean your entire life is bad. Yeah, yeah. And I actually have that tattooed on my arm as well. That one's very personal to me. A uh, bad day doesn't mean you're, you have a bad life. It's just the idea that, you know, bad days happen. It doesn't mean tomorrow's going to be bad. It'll probably be a little bit better, a little bit easier. So that's the hope. Are you just going to, just randomly, you're not looking for someone to give them to. You're just going to put them... Put them oh up. yeah, randomly like I'm trying to like not be seen putting them down because I'll be mortified. Like so it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very. Um, I'll put them there, and if you find it, then it's something. And you know, I suppose if people want to reach out and let me know, they send them or send me a picture of them. That would be great as well. I'll put the Instagram and stuff on the back. Brilliant. But it's just it's just a little you know act random act of kindness to make someone's day. That's the whole point. Well, they're nice, and they're all they seem to be handwritten. Yeah, yeah, all all ha- well. Handwritten on the front and then my own very bad handwriting on the back. But uh, the original note was hand, handwritten and then we printed loads of them. So, cool. Uh, so, yeah, something nice, something All different. Right. All right, and people can follow you on the various social media, plat- media platforms. Dara Fleming, thanks. Always full of bright ideas, uh, that young man. You'll find those cards around the place. He's just dropping them randomly. Television programme you might want to watch tonight. This will certainly be fascinating. It's a two-parter Beyond the Vanishing Triangle. It's on RTE tonight. A true two-part crime series about various missing persons. But tonight the story of Annie McCarrick who disappeared 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Annie McCarrick Disappeared. That's on RTE tonight. Uh, after the news, I think at twenty-five to ten. Just uh, a reminder: you might be interested in that. And that's it. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we shall talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Corks ninety-six FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.